Good morning, brother. Good morning. We're going to continue on in Ephesians today. I'm um, not going to go into the second chapter of Peter for a while. But um, I, I wanted to pick up where we left off on Wednesday. Thank you. I've been um, challenged by this text, challenged in a good way. I mean, uh, ex- uh, edified would be a better word. As I, as I was going through this, today I want us to focus some on what is the hope of his calling down in verse 15 through 23. But first, um, I wanted to say, you know, the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1 presents an edifying outline of the eternal purpose of God. You want to look at the eternal purpose of God, just read the first 14 verses here. I'm going to just briefly mention... One of the things in each one of these first 14 verses, I, I, want, I want to hurry through this part because I just want to give you, this is the foundation that the apostle laid, and then we're going to talk about 15 through 23. In verse 1, he, Paul tells us that your entrance into the kingdom of God was according to the will of God. You see how that, this is a sure foundation. This was God's decision. Verse 2, Paul commits grace and peace from God to us. He's, he, he's asking God, help them to understand this. Verse 3, he reveals that God is blessed, blessed in blessing us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Remember Wednesday, that's what we went over. All these, these wonderful blessings. See, God's, God did, doesn't only give them to us, he's blessed in giving them to us. All right, verse 4, Paul tells us that God has chosen us for what? To be holy. All right. Verse 5, he tells us that we're predestinated in Christ and that it was according to the good pleasure of his will. That's why he chose us. It wasn't like, well, they've done really good down there. I'll choose them. No, God chose us for his own good pleasure. Paul tells us in verse 6 that he has made us accepted in the beloved. In verse 7, we read that we have redemption. How? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. See, this is salvation. He's outlining the gospel. Verse 8 and 9, we learn that God has abounded towards us and that having made known unto us the mystery of his will, we would never understand what's going on, what God's doing if he hadn't revealed it. But he did. He revealed it to us and that it was according to his will, which he purposed in himself. So God's not reacting to us to sin. He's working out his own eternal purpose. See, all this is in these first 14 verses. Paul reveals in verse 10, when the time was right, when it is right, God's going to gather all things together in Christ. Now, see, we already know the end. From the beginning, this is what God's doing. He's bringing it all together in one person, Christ, the only man he's ever really accepted. In verse 11, we find out about our great inheritance. See, he's... You see how he's adding layer to layer to this foundation. It's where when he gets when he gets ready to address the church, it's going to be solid. We're going to be founded on something that is immovable. In verse twelve, Paul reveals that the apostles are going to be exalted because they first trusted in Christ. Now, now this is important because in the next verse he says in thirteen, Paul brings all those he brings into play all those who have trusted in their testimony. 
You see how that works? He accepted the apostles. He gave them special blessings because they first believed. And then everyone who believes their testimony gets to partake of their blessing. That's amazing. That's God. That's the gospel. Verse 14, Paul opens up what that means, which is the earnest of our inheritance inheritance in the anticipation of the fullness at the redemption of the purchased possession. God made a purchase in the person of Christ. He purchased that which he already owned. He purchased it. He bought it back. He redeemed us. Remember in the old, old covenant scriptures, they would take our shoe off and they, they would redeem something, right? Ruth, um, see, uh, uh, Boaz wanted Ruth, but, but he had to go to her near kinsman first to see if he would redeem him. They were taught about redemption, what that means. Well, God has redeemed us. And that's the outline that Paul lays, the foundation for verse 15. In verse 15, it reads, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What an amazing thing. Paul has, has, has laid a foundation. Now he's, he's going to address the saints, all the saints. Now he's specifically in this chapter, he's talking to the Ephesians. But you, you, you get the sense when you start reading Paul's other letters. And we went over this extensively in Bible classes before that, that we went, how Paul prayed for the churches. How his, see, he had the case that the care of the churches came on him every day. And so, but see, he, Paul's not just speaking his own ideas. You can see by the first 14 verses, he's under, God's given him to understand the foundation. So he's building, uh, uh, he's building our understanding to where we can understand what he already understands. Now that's, that's what a teacher does, right? So it's what God's, when he sends somebody, you really have to already understand it before you can talk about it or teach it. I mean, Anyway, today I want us to discuss this, this, this thing about what, what Paul's doing here. He, 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 he hears about their faith. And I was so impressed with this that what does it take? What, what moves you to pray for one of the saints? Paul said um, he only needed this much information. He heard about their faith. Okay, so faith, Paul knows that faith is supernatural. Faith is that you just didn't like figure it out. And one day you said, I'm going to have some faith. No, that isn't what it is. He said, after I heard of your faith, your faith is not something that's possible without divine intervention. So Paul is, is very interested in the advancement that he's heard this report of the Ephesians. He's very interested in their advancement because he knows that God's working in them. Brother? In, uh, Paul says the same thing in the letter to the Colossians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1, 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Faith means that God's doing something. He's working there. And so he's an apostle unto the Gentiles, right? That's what he's being called, sent unto the Gentiles. So he's going to take, he's going to pray that God will open up their understanding so they will be able to comprehend 
without understanding, it doesn't make any difference what area of, of expertise you're talking about. If you don't have any understanding, you actually can be pretty dangerous, especially if you try to do something. Like if, if, um, if you're a person that drives a big truck and you don't understand how to do you can do a lot of damage. You know, if you're a cabinet guy and, and you say, well, I'm going to make a cabinet, but you don't really know how to make a cabinet, you could do a lot of damage to yourself and those around you. You have to understand that, that that's like a, just a, a beginning concept. You have to understand. And so Paul's praying. He's heard of their faith. In other words, he knows that they're trusting in God. So this is good. He knows that God will do the prayer, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's, there's good seed here. Paul wants to water it. And that's what he's doing in the beginning of this, this chapter here. I want us to consider what is involved in actually having obtained like precious faith. So see, this is, so it, for myself, it was refreshing because, you know, you, you, you live by faith. You walk by faith. Your, your, your faith has become a part of your everyday life. Faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. So living by faith means that you're living in, in, in the reality of heaven more than you're living in the reality of what you can see and taste and touch and it doesn't mean that this isn't real. This is very real. But it means that the reality, the unseen realities have become more real. I mean, talking about in your perception. In other words, you'll live for heaven, for, for, for God, for Christ. And, and when a decision comes that you have to make a decision, am I going to do this or am I going to do this? You'll choose the one that's approved in heaven. That's living by faith. In other words, you know God is always seeing you, always with you, always active, less living by faith. Faith is not like a, well, I guess it could be a, a mystery to some. If you don't have faith, then it probably is elusive. But see, the, those who have obtained like precious faith, faith is spiritually natural. This is something that you... You want to please God because you believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So see, once you're persuaded of that, once faith has come, now you can get the work. Or that you can work out your own salvation. Brother Marty? In, in uh, verse 15, I know we, we went by this. Uh -huh. But Paul is there. He's restating that he's pleased that the people in Ephesus yes. are doing the Lord's first commandment. Uh -huh. That's his way of saying that. Mm-hmm. He Amen. Says, he refers to uh, and love unto all the saints. Yes. He's, he's recognizing that they're doing what the Lord told us to do. Amen. Amen. See, those with faith, or those who use the faith given to them, they they are actually, by the use of the faith that God's given you, they're purifying their souls in obeying the truth. Now, see, in other words, they're putting their faith in motion. They're doing something with what God's given them. And in the doing of that, say, well, we don't do anything to be saved. Well, in this, we're talking more along the lines of sanctification. See, you, you, you are choosing every moment or every day what you're going to do with that faith. If, it, if, it, if you're going to use it, then um, 
good things, heavenly good things is, are, are, are going to be activated in you. You're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a byproduct of living by faith, submitting to God. Peter testifies of this truth in 1 Peter one twenty two. It says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. You see Paul exercising this when he's, he notices their faith. And what does he do? He writes them this letter. See, he wants to give them something that only faith can use. To, he, he, brother. And uh, the same thing is in 1 John 3, when it, uh-huh. talking about the appearance of Jesus, Son of God, coming back. Mm-hmm. And in verse 2 it says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear yes. what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Yes. We shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in mm-hmm. him purifies himself. Amen. 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 Sister June? Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned there mm-hmm. that Paul said that the care of the churches came upon him. Mm-hmm. Now, over in, in uh, First Thessalonians, and he's writing to a different body, mm-hmm. and right. the, the circumstances are not the same. But here's here's the heart of Paul toward those with faith. Mm-hmm. Because we, what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. Individually, mm-hmm. it's true, but mm-hmm. it affects every other believer. That's right. Because we've been put into the body. That's right. So that the person ministering is advantaged, mm-hmm. and the people receiving the ministry are advantaged Amen. together in Christ. But he said... right. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were mm-hmm. willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Yes, amen. See, so this, yeah. is a, <clears throat> this is a labor of love in every respect. Yes. Love for Christ mm-hmm. and the Father. But then whenever a person is constrained <laughs> by, just by hearing that another mm-hmm. person has faith, that stirs up something in us to right. want to be advantageous to that faith and Amen. To help it grow. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. You know, the saints are not made pure because of what they have done. This is really critical that, that this is understood. It's not by works of righteousness which, which we have done. See, this is that isn't how, how we're made pure. We're made pure because we believe in the works of another man. See, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he really did lay down his life in order that we might have life. Now, and and that's called faith. You're trusting in something that you can't see. It's the substance of things unseen. It doesn't mean they're not real. They're very real. They're very, I mean, they're they're theirs, brother. And the only way we can purify ourselves, uh-huh. that's what we're told to do, yes. is by believing in Him. Amen. That's, that's right. That's the only way. That's right. So, see, this is our, see, so those who think, well, you just say the sinner's prayer and then you can go on. You don't have to do anything else. They missed a, they missed a point. The point of faith is that we believe. That's the point of faith. I mean, that we do put our hand to the plow and 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 live for Christ. So what happened in that action, in that motion, when when you use the faith that God's given you, you are purifying your souls. So in other words, you, 
all the things that are in you that have to go, and there are a lot of things in us that have to go. I mean, some things you don't even know. They don't appear to be sin. But at some point in time, as you're convicted of whatever, if you've been living by faith, you'll be able to just put that off. What happened? Faith worked in you. That's what happened. It, it, It was not by works of righteousness we've done, but see, there are some righteous works that we do. Purifying our soul, living for Christ, using the faith, putting it to work. Faith to believe that Jesus is the Christ requires divine activity all the time. Not just at the beginning, not just when he gave you to believe. It's when you actually do the believing. Now you're going to need divine resources. So, So in other words, in the end... When, when we cast our crowns at his feet and, and, and we, we see him as it is, we'll more fully understand that it was God that was working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So even though we're the ones that actually did the thing, we were moved by God. Now, that's a complete salvation. Sister June? Uh-huh. John writes, if you know that he is right. Yes. Ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Amen. So there you have the source of the yes. effect. Yes. You're not going to be, when you're born of mm-hmm. God, you're not going to be different than yes. God. Yes. Amen. That's right. You, you've received something mm-hmm. that you didn't have before. Yes. You've become something that you were not before. Amen. And it will bear fruit. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, all of us, at some point in time, if you have believed and you come to Christ and, and he's given you, he's given you a faith, can, can agree with what, see, Jesus, he gave us an example of, of, of what the, what's entailed, what's behind the scenes. Something's behind the scenes going on, or we would have never had faith. And it's, it's a classic scripture. We all know it, I think. Uh, Matthew 16, 15 and 16 Jesus asked his disciples a very pointed question. He said, but whom say ye that I am? This is, you see, this was, for them, this was the line of demarcation. This was where they, they knew something, even though they had sensed it, Jesus brought it to the surface, just like he will with all of us. Uh, and um, and he, he, he let them know that they knew, and why they knew, and how they knew. Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then revealed to Peter where his confession came from. What was, what, how did that happen? How did he know? In verse 18, it says, And Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee. You didn't come up with this on your own, and no man has ever come up with faith on their own. No one's ever believed that Jesus is the Christ on their own. Divine activity had to be employed. God had to do something. But my Father, which is in heaven, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock is the confession. That's what he's talking about. This rock that he's going to build his church around is this confession of faith. How do you know? How do you know that you're one of God? You Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And if you, with a good heart, can say, I believe that God he, this is your confirmation. God's working in me. He's helping me say, well, whatever level we're at, that really is beside the point at this level, at this foundational level, it's God that's working in you. 
And now you'll grow in the grace of knowledge. You'll grow in understanding. But your understanding isn't what sanctifies you. It's this confession. See, we, we, sanctification is important. Being built up is important. Having understanding. In fact, he's going to pray for understanding, right? We got, we got to have some understanding. But at the ground level, all that comes because you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's, that's powerful stuff. That, in other words, this will keep your feet from sliding. If you, if you know that God gave me to believe. He's in me, helping me to believe. In Hebrews 11, 6, you say, well, how possible? Maybe I could somehow um, come up with faith on my own. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So some people say, well, I, I believe in God, but their life proves something completely different. See, in other words, that if, you, if you really have believed that Jesus, if you ever have believed that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, it will alter everything you do. This is, what, well, this is the reality. But if you don't, if you just... Just say, well, I, I there's this creed, and I read it, and I think I can I agree with that, but it doesn't impact your life. Then you didn't really believe this. This will change you. This is life changing. We all know this. <clears throat> Under the old covenant, <clears throat> a man had to be circumcised in his flesh by another person, right? Just in order to be a part of the covenant. Well. <clears throat> This is what it says in Genesis 17, 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. This was, you couldn't be part of this covenant unless this happened. It had to happen. You had to be circumcised. They would have proselytes, right? They would bring them in, but they had to be circumcised, right? They had to be. This was part, this was the sign or a token of the of the covenant well see ours is believing this is this this is you want to know it isn't like someone can just look at you and say oh i can see you're part of this covenant just by the way you're dressed although some people will be able to observe that you're different but you're going to have to tell them you're going to have to speak it's a testimony i believe that jesus is is the son of god well some people will believe and others won't. But see, this he's given us some, just like in the first covenant. See, actually, the, that what I just read was the original first covenant <laughs> between Abraham, see? That this was, he gave Abraham something to do, and he had to do it to all, everyone. It was part of this, part of his, his group had to be circumcised. Brother Robert? Yes. The sign of the... First covenant was circumcision. Yes. The sign of the second covenant is a spiritual. That's right. That Amen. Does. And the result of that is that he puts the Holy Spirit in each person. That's right. As a sign of that. That's right. And that's something you can't see because it's on the inside. Amen. That's in Colossians 2, 11 and 12. It says, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So it, the new covenant does it, it has circumcision too, but it's a it's a much more precise. It does a lot more. The first one was just an outward sign that you were part of the covenant. This is an inward sign. 
that God can, that God not only can see, he's the one that has to do it. And it's done. Uh, Colossians text goes on. It says, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein you're also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. See how faith is tied in, completely tied in, with being the circumcision of the heart. You believed the form of the doctrine. You came and you submitted to being baptized into Christ. And in that process, God did something in you. God cut away. See, see you see how precise it is in the old? In the old, they cut away part of the flesh. In the new, he cuts away part of the flesh. But it's that old man. He separates it to where the, the new man can be sanctified and holy and just and righteous and can't sin. But the old man is still corrupt according to the deceitful, and eventually it will pass away. He cut it away. He divided it. And you can see a lot of sacrifices. They had to divide the portion. Did, anyway, brother? Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful. Yes. It's sharper than any two-edged Amen. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Amen. That's right. Something that people can't do, but God can do it. God does it. Amen. Or none of us would be saved. See, the thing is that he's, God's getting the people in a position where he can dwell with them. He ultimately, like we've already said, he's going to gather all things together in one. How's he going to do that? Well, he, Paul's opening this up. How, this is how he's going to do it. For right now, you've you got to be sanctified before the Holy Spirit can live in you. As Jesus came, he took away sin. He made it possible for the Holy Spirit to, to come and live in you. Well, how is you still, how's that going to happen? Well, he just told us. He just told us right here. You're going to be baptized. God's going to do a work. He's going to cut away. In other words, he's not going to recognize that part as, as, as um, the significant part. It's there. And actually, that part is actually teaching us to, to war. That old man that you have to battle against, that's teaching you things about God, teaching you how effective the Holy Spirit is, how effective understanding is, that you, things that used to dominate you now, you dominate them. Amen. Well, what, what happened? See, you're, you're understanding, you're coming to understand what the power of God can do. But unless, unless this happens, unless you enter into this warfare and live by faith, you really won't be ready when Jesus ap- appears. You won't know what to do. Well, see, we, we're circumcised. He, he does that work. We don't do that work. We submit to being baptized. We're, we submit to them putting us down into or to be buried with Christ. But see, all this, there's a sense in which, just like when Jesus died, it, all this is hidden. It's hidden from everyone except to the person that is being that's actually occurring and even them unless they're told this the these things it's going to be very difficult to figure out what what really happened that's why we have these texts that's why we have the scriptures that we might know the things that are freely ours you don't have to sin because god made a separation between the new man and the old man you don't have to give in to the old man. You can give in to the new man. This is an amazing thing. This is called the eternal purpose of God. How is he getting us ready to inhabit eternal places, our eternal habitation? This is how he's doing it. He separates it. Now there's a separation. You can live righteously and godly in this present evil generation. You can do that. Why? Because he separated us. Sister June? Yeah, I was thinking about the... the uh 
the the form mm -hmm. uh, of circumcision <clears throat> and baptism and newness of life. Mm -hmm. Circumcision was cutting away yeah. the the things that would cause a person to be insensitive. Yeah. It was but when it was cut away, it didn't live anymore. Yeah. If it you take him you cut your finger off, the finger doesn't keep living. Right. It has to be connected. Amen. And we we had a real connection with Adam that had to be severed in order for God to to work in us. Now in baptism, we are buried with Christ yes. in baptism. Amen. That is the killing of the uh -huh. the putting away, the cutting off. That's the point. Yes. Of where it's put away, it mm -hmm. doesn't come back. Right. As far as God is concerned, that he, this is the operation of God. Yeah. That mm -hmm. that is uh, in action here in our baptism. And then we're raised in newness of life. There is the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, what does something living do? Does it does it give a lot of attention to what's dead? Hmm. There's no more connection there. Right. It it uh, concerns itself with the things that pertain to life. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so, this new creature, which is mm -hmm. after. Christ, mm -hmm. he's the firstborn of a new creation. Amen. It's like him. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we're to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin. Mm -hmm. We're to mortify the deeds of the body. That's right. So that's that new life mm -hmm. actually ruling and reigning. That's right. And the things that they uh, mm -hmm. we haven't we haven't seen. The, the time whenever we're going to put off this mortal mm -hmm. oil mm -hmm. and and inhabit the new body yes that is, it, it's prepared for us amen but the reality is mm -hmm. we're not really part of it and it is not really part of us yes what um, <clears throat> brother Alexander Ben Alexander said something in his uh, book out of darkness because mm -hmm. he was in channeling and spiritualism and stuff he said at one of their their seances or whatever they call one of the one of the unclean spirits said the human body is a machine any spirit can operate uh -huh. all right we have a new spirit it's yes. operating this body Amen. We used to have a spirit dead in trespasses and sins, mm -hmm. and that used to operate our body. Train. So that's why mm -hmm. we put away the motions of sin. Mm -hmm. We're operating according to a living spirit. Yes. That is after uh -huh. Christ Himself. Amen. Amen. Now this, um, you know, I I, I sense that a lot of people get baptized because they think that bap somehow baptism will give them faith. That somehow, if they just, if you know, I think a lot of people are talked into it, like you'll be, you'll feel a lot different, you'll, all this stuff will happen, you know, but they don't really know what's going on. They have no idea. They just go forward to get baptized and then nothing magical happens and they go home and it's like, well, that didn't work. 
See, that's not baptism isn't to make you believe. That isn't what baptism was for. <laughs> Baptized, it, it, it says in uh, Galatians 5, 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision. See, this isn't, it says, but faith which worketh by love. See, this is, why would a person, uh, Philip tells the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch says, there's much water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And, and Philip said, oh, sure, no problem. No, that's what he said. He says, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ with your whole heart, if you believe, see, this is the critical point. A person is out of order to baptize someone that doesn't believe. It's, just, it's wrong. It's not going to help them. It's not magical. It's not like we dunk you in the water and then everything's, everything's just wonderful. Well, it is if you believe. If this operation of God is, 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 is done, well, then you are going to be greatly benefited. The Holy Spirit's going to dwell with you and, and open up the scriptures to you. But see, if, if, if this is not, not done correctly, there's a way to do this. He's given us the way to do it. It's not like we, have, we can make this stuff up on our own. And I fear that there's a lot of people that have added to and they've diminished this reality that the apostles bring to us. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This confession, Jesus is telling him, flesh and blood didn't do this. And anytime flesh and blood gets involved in it, well, it's going to be corrupted. Yeah, when Peter said that baptism is the answer of a good conscience right. God word. See, faith is there first. Mm-hmm. To they believe that God will accept them, that God is. That's mm-hmm. why they're getting baptized. Uh-huh. And maybe you don't understand everything about it, but you do know yeah. that you're being buried yes. and then resurrected with Christ. And Amen. there's faith that required. That's what drives them to do it. Not, yes. not a, uh, a sect of people mm-hmm. by any name that, that preaches baptism instead of that it's the answer, the response. Uh-huh. Of a, of a good conscience God mm-hmm. where you're, you're appealing to God for the things that he has promised through obedience of mm-hmm. faith. Amen. And he is a rewarder. Yes, amen. Brother Justin. When Paul went into Ephesus, he mm-hmm. asked uh, the Ephesians, he asked them, under what baptism were you baptized? Yeah. When uh-huh. he asked them if if mm-hmm. they received the Holy Ghost when they were baptized, yeah. they said, we haven't even so much as heard of the Holy Ghost. And so he right. said, well, what baptism were you baptized yeah. in? They said, John's baptism. Mm-hmm. Well, they... Um, when they heard that, they <laughs> were baptized. That's right. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus yes, Christ. Yes, amen. Amen. And, and, and something changed. <laughs> Brother? Uh, for what it's worth, my personal experience was I was baptized when I was 11. Uh-huh. And I can't say that I believe with all my heart. Mm-hmm. And like you were explaining, that I, well, I thought it would make me different because they said it would, but it, I didn't experience that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I chose to be baptized again in November 2013 because reasoning from the scriptures, I saw that 
faith with my whole heart had to come before baptism. Mm -hmm. So then, I've just experienced a complete difference in my life since then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't experience that when I was 11. Right. And I was yeah. told I would be different, but I never experienced that. Yeah. And so it's a reality. Faith comes first. That's right. Amen. Amen. He that believes. That's right. Amen. Shall be damned. Amen. The emphasis is on the faith. That's right. And part of it is fueled by Bibles that have been corrupted. Yeah. Oh, that's if right. You take Acts eight thirty seven out, which yeah. most Bibles do. Uh -huh. and it removes the emphasis on faith with your whole heart. That's right. And if you take out where it says it's an answer to God for a good conscience, and yeah. you it's an appeal to God yeah. for a good conscience. Those are two totally different concepts. That's right. Amen. So that's right. You're being baptized, and that's you're appealing to God for a good conscience. Mm -hmm. That is not the same as an answer to God mm -hmm. that's right. for a good conscience. That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 And on the on the other hand, I was eight when I was baptized, and I can tell you right now, I was different. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, but they didn't preach baptism. Right. I mean, I knew about it. Uh huh. But they preached Christ. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, why is Paul praying for these brethren? Sounds like they got everything going for them. Everything's fine. Everything's... Well, see, faith <clears throat> works by love. That's how it works. Okay? So, in other words, faith will prompt you, if you're walking by faith, will prompt you to love the brethren. And just like Christ loved us and gave himself for us, Paul is, is, is spending... He says uh, he spent and has been spent. He's spending himself on the brethren. He's, 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 he wants to bring them a blessing because he's heard of their faith. You see how this is? Paul's, Paul's drawn to these brethren because he's seen their growing in their faith. God's working in them. And so now his resources that God's given him, he wants to share them with someone who can understand them. I mean, I, I think we all are drawn to that kind of kind of condition. You know, if someone really, really, really is is growing in their ability to tune pianos, Brother David would be interested in talking to him, wouldn't you? You'd be you you you'd be investing something there. But see, you would do it willingly because this is part of who you are. And so, when you're in Christ uh, and you love the brethren, well, then when when you meet one, see. I, we've all had this experience. You meet a believer. You don't know them. They don't know you. But you know one thing. They're a believer. And all of a sudden, your love provokes you to, to, to talk to them about things, encourage them. Uh, in 1 John four nineteen, it says, We love him because he first loved us. Amen. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. It's impossible to have faith and not love the brethren. This is an impossibility. Now, you, you look at this backwards. If you don't love the brethren, you're going to have to work on believing. This is, this is, yeah. this is the, if you don't work on loving the brethren, say, well, I'm going to try my best to love the brethren. That's never going to work. Yeah. You work on loving God, Amen. and then you'll, you'll love the saints of God. He says, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you can't love your brother who you can see, how are you ever going to love God who you can see? So he, he, he's, John's talking about a cancer in the body, a cancer that says, I love God so much, 
And yet they just never think about the brethren. They never do for the brethren. They never pray for the brethren. See, this is this is a cancer. In other words, if it's not addressed, and the and thing is that Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God, they all address this issue. That Why is John talking about it? Just because he's agitated and he wants to bring up... He's talk, talking about it so it can be cut away. And that's what God does. He, he, he'll, he'll, he'll separate, make a separation between that which can't get into heaven and that which can. And then he encourages us to put off the deeds of the body, put them off, and then walk in the spirit. Paul's not praying for these brethren because he was commanded to. Even though God sent him, he made him the, the apostle to the Gentiles, right? So there's a sense in which he could say, well, I, you know, I've got to do this. But that you don't get that from reading the Ephesians, do you? You don't get that. Thing, Paul, he was just constrained. He didn't mean he really want to do it. But he, no, his heart was in this. Every, every line is, is his heart expressing itself. He loved them. And so he was um, laying down his life for the churches. Paul prayed for all the churches, and we went over that extensively. But, but see, what does that show you? That shows you that he had faith. See, that faith produces this kind of care and love for the brethren. So now just we got about 15 minutes left, and I want to go over verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, this is what he prayed for them. See, well, what did Paul pray for, for, for this church? This is what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And really, the bottom line is if this is in place, in other words, if you can understand what Christ is done for you, who he is, what he's going to do when he comes back. If this is dominating your thinking, then you will not only love the brethren, you'll give yourself to, 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 to talking about these things. See, you, as you understand more about what Christ is and who Christ is and what he's doing, it will change you. You're being transformed into his image. How? As you behold him. Well, this... That scripture, looking at as you, as you behold him, you're transformed. That's the same thing as saying if you understand. See, how do you get understanding? Well, it has to be given to you. I mean, there, not everyone saw what Paul saw. Paul saw things and understood things that even the other apostles didn't understand. Peter said so, some of the things he says are hard to be understood. Does that mean he didn't believe them? No, but... He didn't understand it like Paul did. Paul was given a special understanding. Why? So he could be smart. Now, it's so he could share this. Not only did he share it with them, we have it here. We have the testimony. He was going to write things that was going to be handed down to all the believers. Once again... Now, Paul, if you read his prayers, and we're not going to take time to do that, but, but I, I, I exhort you to, to read his prayers again. Now, P Paul prays for things that only God can do. It's not like an, any man could do them for you. It's not even that Paul could do them for you. 
But he asked God to do things and work things in the believers in each one of these churches that only God could do because Paul understood that God wanted to. God wants each one of his, his, his followers to walk in the spirit, to understand more about what Christ is and who and what he's doing and, and, and the Holy Spirit. What's his part of this, this equation and how the Holy Spirit comes in and, and, and he he, he'll give you an understanding. He'll help you to deny ungodliness by identifying it as ungodliness. And then he helps you to, to love the truth more by helping you to understand what the truth is and how it impacts your life. And he's asking the God of all wisdom to impart that wisdom to his people. Why? Because they've been recreated in his image. So see, it's right for God to give you wisdom. It's not like God's like, oh, I got to give him wisdom. It's right. In other words, when God helps you see something, some aspect of the truth, not only does it bless you, but it blessed God before he gave it to you. See, God is equipping you to be a good minister first to God. Our first ministry isn't to the brethren, it's to God himself. In other words, we we worship him, we fellowship with him. And then the outpouring of that or the working out is our fellowship with one another. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, what is that? That's like kind of mysterious. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you can't understand anything about God unless it's given to you. And look in the New Covenant, he's given unto you his spirit. Now, we all know that um, you can only, he says, you, you don't really understand what dogs are thinking. I know some people think that you can figure them out. But see, you don't have the spirit of a dog. You don't know what animals, you you don't know. You don't have their spirit. They know what they're doing. You say, well, they're running by intuition. Well, that's our appraisal of it, number one. They know what they're doing. Now, you say, well, I see the dog. He's jumping up and down and he's barking. It sounds like he's talking to us. We don't know because we don't have their spirit. God wants us to know him, so he gives us his spirit. And now we can understand, we can fellowship. There can be a union with God that before was, was not possible. See, before and under the old covenant, the spirit was like external. It would come on. It even came on Saul, right? And he prophesied with the prophets. What, what happened? See, there was, man had to be cleansed. He had to be made whole. He had to to be made compatible to where the Holy Spirit could come in and start doing this work. So in the end, you know, one of these days, we're going to have a lot more of the Holy Spirit. Now we have it in measure, right, according to, um, to what we're doing. We have the Holy Spirit, and, and it's faithful. The Holy Spirit's faithful. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us. The Holy, I, I, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to do something wrong. It's a Holy Spirit. It's going to lead you to, to, to know and understand God. Back in the, and this is an example, quickly. Back in Genesis 41, Pharaoh said these words about Joseph. 
There is none so discreet and wise. He says, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as Joseph. He had, he, he called it the spirit of God is in him. Now, this is Pharaoh. And he realized something about Joseph. Now, he didn't realize it like, like we're talking about today. He realized that this man has an understanding that's not normal. He could interpret this dream. And, and so, so Joseph is the one that told him, I can't do it, but my God can, right? My God can give me to, to understand this. And see, when we're living in Christ and we're walking in the Spirit, God can give us an understanding. And, and actually, He has given us an understanding. Why is it that you want to deny ungodliness and worldly lust? Why is it such a, such a drive? You want to purify yourself from these things because you've been given the Holy Spirit. Brother David? I just encourage people to read Isaiah chapter 11, uh-huh. which talks about the Spirit. Yes, God. yes. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That was given specifically to Christ. But when Christ dwells in your heart by faith, this is the same thing you're given, right? You'll be able to discern between good and evil. Well, if you can do that, if this is true, and it is, that, you, that if you have the Holy Spirit, you can discern in any given situation, what should I do? Well, now you can live godly. See, this is the thing. I don't have any excuse now to give in to the devil. None. I don't have any excuse because I have the Holy Spirit and he's leading me into the path of righteousness. See, well, technically Christ is doing it, but he's doing it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us and, and it will guide us into the way we should go. <clears throat> well, this is, yeah, I, 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 I'm just looking into that Isaiah text too because see, he's describing something that they didn't really understand at that time, what was going on. I mean, they got these prophecies, and, and, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. So it wasn't like they could just pick the book up and say, oh, yeah, I know that exactly, unless God gave it to them. Now he's given to us the Holy Spirit that we might know the things that are freely ours in Christ Jesus. So anyway, we, we, that's a good thing, that their hearts might be comforted. Now, I know we don't have a, a, a lot of time to go into the, the rest of this, but, you know, the thing is, is that if you, you don't know, ever notice how when you understand something, you're much more comfortable in that, whatever it is, doesn't make any difference what it is, but if you understand it and someone says, will you do this? Well, I understand how to do it. I understand about it. And so it isn't like I'm filled with anxiety and I don't know how's this going to go because you understand it. You can use it. You can be a benefit. God's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand him. But see, that's not, that's not all that he's given us. He, look at Paul is praying. They don't know, even though they're walking by faith, they have the Holy Spirit, but they don't know the things that Paul's going to share with them. So he's, he's saying, look, you've, you're making progress. You, you've come, I, I've heard the reports, you're making great advancement. 
you can make more progress. And I was reading Matthew Henry on this, this text, and he said it's a dangerous thing to ever get complacent to where you're at right now. You say, well, I, I've received so much. And so you sit down and say, okay, that's enough. He says, if you're ever satiated when it comes to the Word of God, he says, you won't move forward. And you'll, exactly what will happen is you'll start moving backwards. This is an upward, this is an always advancing gospel. Jesus is changing us from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And how's he doing it? By his Spirit. But, but how's the Holy Spirit working? By your faith and love for the brethren. So as you give yourself to the Lord, as you walk in the Spirit, you're, you're going to learn a few things. We all know this. You're going to learn first that you're not the most important person. See, this is, I don't know how a person could grow past themselves until they learn this, that I'm not, I'm not the most, Jesus is the most important man. God is the most important personality. Jesus, Jesus, he's the one that taught us that. He come and he submitted to his father. Why? Because he's God. He's God. Now, Jesus is God in, in that he's the son of God. He's the son of God. He's fully God, fully man, come to save us and please God. You see how the, God's done everything right, everything perfect. And so our part, the Ephesians part, when, he, when they read this letter and they ingested this letter in, by faith, is to submit. See, what that's really what God's asking, what is, my, what is the thing I can do every day consistently? Submit to God. In, in full humility, knowing that he's God, I'm not God, he's God. And then all this other stuff. See, the Ephesians didn't know Paul was going to write this letter to them. They, they weren't like, why hasn't Paul written us and given us? The Holy Spirit moved Paul to write these letters. And now look, we're still advantaged by him today. We can take this information by faith, put it to action, and we will get a harvest from that. I thank God for that. And I thank God for the brethren that he's given us that, that see we can talk about these things. Actually, I've been greatly advantaged during these times of discussion. And that's why I I I love it when we the saints of God start talking. You learn something. You, you you're in you're blessed. Your your faith is enhanced. Any uh, more comments from the brethren? Well, thank you, brother. This has been a, a great blessing to me, and I know it has been to anyone with faith. God is on our side. <laughs> He's on the side of everyone who believes. All right, we'll have a prayer, and then we'll break for, for uh, fellowship. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for this uh, epistle to the Ephesians. We thank you for Brother Paul that he was uh, mindful of, of them and that, Father, he... He, he gave them these words of comfort and edification. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that um, we can uh, uh, come to you in, in, in faith, believing, asking, Father, that you would increase our faith. Give us a, a greater measure of the Holy Spirit as we submit to you. Help us, Father, to have a greater understanding of who Jesus is, of who you are, and of who um, the, your great inheritance and in all your saints. Father, we, we Father, testified that we love you and we love your son. We ask that 
Father, today we would we would bless you in our fellowship together. We ask, Father, for the food we're about to partake of, that you would bless it. Father, we, we don't take these things for granted. You've given them to us. These are, these are um, blessings along the way. We thank you, Father, for those who prepared this. Father, bless them as they've given themselves to you and given this to your people. In your son's name, amen. Amen. <clears throat>